0: You're being lied to or you're lying to yourself. A lot of people are living in fear that there's going to be some sort of interest rate rise and there just simply isn't. And I'll come back and do an episode into the future around what I believe the zombie economy of interest rates and the fact that interest rates can't be put up for a very long time. Not to say they won't ever go up. And you can derease your position by not overpaying for real estate or buying real estate in a marketplace which is volatile from a debt perspective, which I already do and I already coach people to do to avoid high debt bomb marketplaces, which there are some in Australia where if interest rates change, those marketplaces would go straight into mortgage stress. But for where we are now, The average person does not have to worry about interest rate rises. And the reality is the medium term future, the next couple of years, the next two, three, four, five years, it's very, very unlikely that the Reserve Bank will put up interest rates. The number one lie people are telling themselves is that they need to be worried about interest rate rises and it is a lie you're telling yourself a lie it's not going to happen we are on the drug we are on the kool-aid and when come countries get to this point where the interest rate is where it's at it's very hard to lift it because of what that will do to the citizens in the economy and the only way to lift rates is to get wages going so if wages were to grow, you could fundamentally lift rates. Inflation doesn't necessarily create a rate increase. What you need is a combination of the inflation, but also wage increases. Now, I'll go back to 2007. The reason we were borrowing money at 9.5% back then is mining booms. People were getting huge wage increases. You could go and you know, drive a truck in the middle of the desert and get a wage of like $280,000 a year. It was crazy because people were making $280,000 a year in the mining and infrastructure booms. The uh, person sitting, uh, doing a menial job as a, uh, I don't know, a receptionist or something like that, all of a sudden their wages grew because there was a labour shortage around not only skill but labor labor being just jobs job needs some hands on deck uh need some people to help out that cost money and back in 2007 you know we had mining boom one we uh you know went into mining boom two. but it was a it was a big wage growth marketplace and of course that created inflation uh and also the cash rate to go up so high Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, another code cracker. We're going to dig into the biggest lie you're telling yourself right now. Yes, you've been lied to. We're going to dig into what that actually means when it comes to property investment and the economic journey we are now on. Hey, welcome aboard. If it's your first time tuning in to the Urban Property Investor, uh, we are a mad bunch here. And of course, we talk about real estate. We teach real estate principles, comment on the market, urban trends, changes, transformation, how to build wealth out of property. And of course, all the podcasts are actually episodes or lessons in one way, shape or form. So, Feel free to dance about, go back to the first episode if you like. Hey, the second conversation I want to have is just play me in double speed. Go onto your iPhone or your smartphone, look out to speed the show up and uh, tell you what, knock it over in uh, record time and maybe grab a second episode and do two for one. Hey, everything's good in my world. We just gave Raffy a middle name. Raffy, of course, is my dog. Raffy is now called Raffy Bruce Lee saggers Yes. Raffy now has a middle name named after the great kung fu fighter Bruce Lee. Raffy is Bruce Lee. I've never seen anything like it. Anyone tries to mess with Raff, he is literally ready to uh, put them out of their misery. And around the house, Bruce Lee is an absolute terror. He knocks over things, uh, crashes through things, smashes through doors. Uh, He is an exciting dog. I tell you what, no one wants to mess with Bruce Lee. So uh, we've named Rafi, uh, certainly given him a middle name. I was just out the front, uh, ran into Good old Tony Abbott. Yes, ex-Prime Minister Tony Abbott hanging out at the end of the street. Uh, I thought that was uh, uh, worth commenting on. It's the second time this week I've seen uh, old Tony cruising around. Not many people like the old Tony, did they? They, uh, they booted him out pretty quick. Um, I think last week he got caught cruising around without the face mask on and everyone dobbed him in. And uh, his retort to that was, we now live in a Australia where we live with dobbers picking on each other. Uh, certainly from lockdown, uh, I can see there is a lot of tension in the air when it comes to our social well-being, and, and certainly I think the pandemic itself is uh, testing how we feel about each other as australians so i was kind of on tony's side with that one i don't think we want to land live in a land of dobbers do we and victims i certainly don't let's move forward anyway tony wasn't wearing the mask again but uh he was having a coffee so i think that's all all uh all above board hey good for him good for you good for bruce lee let's get the show kicked off And today I wanted to run off the back of my last episode where, you know, I spoke about pandemic economics and what we've learned from coronavirus thus far. I think there were some big takeaways in that lesson that really we've uh, been able to comprehend that there are a bucket load of lessons from having investing over the last two years really while whilst this thing called a pandemic has been about certainly i took away from that episode there are some key fundamentals some key lessons we need to understand things like spatial transformation uh comprehension around mission fit neighborhoods to own real estate when downturns and pandemics and lockdowns happen this week i caught up with the best in the business dr andrew wilson yes dr andrew wilson is a housing economist he is the best in the business in my view and a pretty funny bloke as well which sits well in my world uh andrew is an economist he is a member of the chartered surveyors community yes he is, a, or a doctor of surveying or measuring. Imagine being a doctor of measuring things. That is truly incredible. I don't know if the doctors of measurement have a yearly Christmas party. Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall at that Christmas party? What are we, what are we measuring? Anyway, uh, Dr. Andrew is a big part of my world, and I think the reality is uh, one of the coolest things you can do in real estate is build yourself a group of people you can learn from. Mentor you, coach you, give you advice. I think a lot of people uh, certainly go with free advice off Facebook, which, uh, you know, probably only lasts so far. Certainly someone I pay to give me advice and I share it with my clients is Dr. Andrew Wilson. He was the ex-chief economist of Domain, but a wealth of knowledge and a voice of reason when it comes to real estate investment. And I really do enjoy what he delivers for myself and my group when he spends some time with us. We get him in uh, all the time to talk real estate, to give us information around economics and What the short-term road ahead looks like what i love about andrew's work is he really takes the last three six nine twelve months of data and can use that as a leading indicator to really see what is ahead three six nine twelve months from now and uh certainly when it comes to some of these sort of short-term measurements i think his work is incredible Andrew will even point out, as I will remind everyone though, real estate is a long-term sport. So, you know, if you own real estate for 15 years, uh, really, you begin to not even care about economic information. Certainly, when I look at the real estate which I've owned for quite a long time now, don't really care if there's a vacancy rate in the neighborhood or a capital growth rate, uh, and the reason being is low debt, lots of wealth in those properties, and you know, you just sort of start to tune out. But what I've noticed over the years is people who are in a position where they need to go and create wealth really want to understand what the market is doing, how it's swaying, the ups, the downs, the good bits and the bad bits. And I guess it really is a uh, rear view mirror of people's basic human need and and the the fear, I guess, involved in becoming a property investor. So people like to know it's going to be okay and, and the market isn't going to collapse overnight and uh, create you know, financial hardship. So for that reason, I love uh, bringing Andrew and, um, you know, getting him to to talk about what is going on in real estate. And I think he's the best in the business. He does some great stuff around just putting things into context. You know, yeah, the borders are shut. There's no people moving to uh, Sydney and Melbourne, but so what? The borders will open. That's the context. Uh, the context is also the aggregate size of places like Sydney and Melbourne losing uh, you know, people to going and living in Queensland, losing 10 20,000 people. We are talking cities of 5 million people. So the aggregate can support it. It's, it's very small in the overall context of what that looks like. So I think there's some lessons From Andrew, and I want to share some takeaways. Andrew did a talk with my private clients the other night, and I thought it was great. I know my private clients get a lot out of it, I know I get a lot out of it. Andrew is certainly someone who I would call a mentor of economics, the master of measurement himself. And, uh, you know, I think. Some of the context he allows people to comprehend from his data is the best in the business. And really, it is kind of understanding because, you know, quite often as a property investor, you know, you see so much stuff and it looks scary, but context is everything when it comes to data. You know, if a marketplace is going to get 10,000 properties, is that good or bad? Scary? What does it mean? Uh, Is that lower than normal, higher than normal? And the master of measurement himself uh, certainly allows me to analyze the marketplace and work out where I should be making people money. And i tell you what, uh, over the last couple of years since I've been riding shotgun with Andrew, his predictions and my property negotiation skills are a pretty lethal combo to be honest with you. We are making people uh, some good returns in the marketplace, which is what people want from property investment which is cool hey i'm going to uh give you some uh top i guess things i learned the other night hanging out with andrew if you're in my private client group in the mentoring um i wonder if these are similar to your top takeaways from the event the other night and uh if you're not well, you should be, but I'll give you some top takeaways anyway. Certainly, I think uh, where we are today with where the cash rate is is incredible, and you know, it's it's quite often not understood by investors today that we can go back to you know two thousand and seven, and the cash rate was nine point five percent. 9.5% in 2007. Today, it's a tenth of 1%. A tenth of 1%. So, again, you you are literally saying that we are in a new world when it comes to interest rates. And I probably will do a podcast into the future around the idea of um, – The idea of zombie economics, I certainly believe Australian real estate is going to be split in two, and I'm going to come back into the future and explain what that actually means, that the reality is we are no longer hostage to interest rates in the marketplace. For a long period of time here in Australia, we have had to deal with interest rates as a thing, and because Australia is not one big property market, this has almost created an uneven playing field for various cities. So what do I mean by that? Well, in the past, uh, you know, rates have either been increased or dropped pretty well to serve the purpose of Sydney and Melbourne where most people live Uh over half of Australia's population live in both Sydney and Melbourne, and really things like the GFC come along, um, things like credit crunches come along, and really they've disadvantaged, if you like, other cities which are just doing their own thing. The credit crisis of 2016 and 17 and 18 really had nothing to do, for example, with the Adelaide property market or the Brisbane property market or the Perth property market. But we, uh, because of interest rates, run the economy at a national level. And quite often the national decisions around lending, around interest rates, affect the entire marketplace when really it's a small section of the marketplace which needs to be reeled in or have a better economic behaviour. And uh, again, it's it's an interesting thing. The fact now we have got gotten rid of interest rates in Australia at a high level for what is seemingly – going to be for a very long time really creates a new economic ground for property investing and one of the big takeaways from andrew is local influences dictate the level of capital growth and i think that is really where we're ending up now that today there is an even playing field uh a lot of the marketplaces which, you know, got thrown under the bus in past rate decisions are no longer going to be thrown under the bus. And as such, is a real even playing field. And taking it a step further at a localized level really is where growth is going to be measured best. What areas, what suburbs, uh, what streets are going to get the best capital growth is what real estate is all about. And for me, that is just amazing. Remember back in 2007 and, and 8, um, the cash rate was pretty, pretty high, right? And you were borrowing money at nine and a half percent. Today, you're borrowing money as an investor at 3% with the cash rate at a tenth of 1%. So, we are seeing real estate values and asset values increase. And, of course, this has created a new benchmark and it's it's here to stay. You know, things are not going to get cheaper overnight into the future. And I certainly think one of the big takeaways I learned from spending uh, some time with Dr. Andrew Wilson was that though we've seen some fairly significant growth over the last year uh, that is really mean reversion it has basically been catch-up capital growth and if you think about really where we were back in sort of 2017 18 19 and 20 with with the credit crunch which was being portrayed to the marketplace via apra people couldn't borrow money, people's serviceability was being questioned. Uh, You know, we had the famous case against Westpac where ASIC took Westpac to the High Court to say Westpac was irresponsible with its lending Uh, and the case, the famous Wagyu beef case where uh, the judge ruled, well, you know, I could have Wagyu beef every night of the week if I have disposable income, and then if I go buy a property, it doesn't mean I'm going to have Wagyu beef the next day. I might go and get a chicken stir fry. So uh, the fact that we've sort of got through this really strange kind of period where if anything, growth was going backwards and growth was not occurring, um, Dr. Andrew really sort of sums it up best. We have had almost like four years' worth of growth in, in just about 1 year and this has of course pushed the median value of real estate up median value of a house according to Dr Andrew about 1.4 in Sydney around 950 in Melbourne around 650 in Brisbane similar in Adelaide around 560 in Perth and Canberra you know it is expensive at around 960,000 median for Sydney's apartment 850 Melbourne five seventy, uh, Brisbane four hundred, Adelaide three fifty, Perth uh, closer to four hundred, and Canberra closer to five hundred. So we've got value still left in the marketplace. This is this is incredible. There's lots of the housing market which is still valuable. There's lots of the apartment market which is still valuable, and of course in the middle of Houses and apartments. You've got some very good opportunity in, you know, the larger townhouse space as well, which uh, tends to be, you know, fairly well priced, and a great property option for many property investors. So it's not too late for people to find affordable assets and very livable communities. But it is certainly getting harder off the back of a boom. But the best way to understand the boom so far is that it is really uh, the concept of mean reversion, which if you don't understand, it's a simple concept. The real estate market does not go up 5 10% every single year. Some years it does nothing. Some years it goes backwards, but then it bounces and it uh, basically catches up on itself and then sometimes it even forges ahead to a new peak in values. We have seen the market pass previous peaks in basically every city other than perth and of course a lot of that is because we have seen money come into the market that previously didn't exist the reality is banks are flush with cash they've been able to get their hands on some of the quantitative easing money turn it into money for us And of course, the fact that there's over a trillion dollars more money in the economy today than there was before coronavirus came along uh, naturally inflates assets because money looks for a home. And for most people, assets like the share market and of course the property market are pretty common places to park your uh, funds. And of course, uh, that ultimately means that There has been a loan boom. Yes, a loan boom. Loans are at their highest level for a very, very long time. Certainly, uh, according to Dr. Andrew Wilson's charts, uh, you know, it is off the chart, basically. Uh, Certainly, I can see from his charts going back to 2014, we have not seen um, the amount of owner-occupier loans for a very, very long time and the interesting thing here is home buyers are making up the majority of loans owner occupiers which are doing those trade up selling an old property trading up Uh, remember people with trade ups basically generally make a bit of money by selling and then trade that money up for a better asset and the trade up market is bonkers at the moment everyone wants a better property in a better neighborhood better house and as such the total uh loan uh loans out in the marketplace for that section of the market dwarfs that of investors something like uh 21 billion no not billion is a billion uh yeah 21 billion dollars of uh loans over the last 12 months when it comes to owner occupiers so that's the 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 level um in the last 12 months um when it comes to investors around nine and when it comes to first home buyers closer to six billion dollars worth of loans interesting uh 2020 first homeowners were borrowing more than investors and it's just swapped over uh basically just recently where investors are now going you know what I need a piece of this real estate marketplace. Certainly, from a yield perspective, um, you know, we're seeing some great returns in many marketplaces. Certainly, notably, uh, Canberra and Brisbane stand out from the crowd when it comes to the gross return you can get from, particularly from the unit market. You can get some very healthy returns over 5%, which is pretty cool. Probably, uh, I think. You know, one of the things that stands out for me when it comes to where we're at now, and I mentioned this last podcast, there's no stock. There is no stock. If we had the borders open now, we'd have a bloody problem on our hands because stock levels are just ridiculously low. Approval levels for stock are low. The highest approvals, to put it in perspective, is actually houses at the moment and of course houses take up a lot of land uh and approving um, houses doesn't necessarily uh, solve future population growth risk and of course the lowest approvals are actually apartments believe it or not and we are at a stage where apartment approvals again off the charts you've never seen apartment approvals uh as low as they are today certainly from the charts that Andrew has provided me which go back to 2013 never uh it is it is half of really the last previous low that's how low it is uh and to put that in perspective where we're at at the moment in 2000 uh and 16 we reached a peak of apartment approvals uh and uh, apartments getting built basically it was around 110,000 that year now we're you know we're basically at around 59,000 59,000 um for the total country right that's that's not enough that's not enough and uh what this is going to do of course it's not going to be solved overnight it's going to not going to be solved for years because uh houses quite often can get built you know a little bit quicker because of just the nature of of how housing works um with apartments you know obviously a bigger building more permits more uh planning more pre-sales needed all this kind of thing so ridiculous i think when the borders do open, we're probably going to see a real catch-up in rental growth in many of the marketplaces. And uh, obviously, we're going to have to learn to live in a vaccinated economy. At some stages, they're going to let people back in. And uh, uh, I you know, certainly think we'll, we'll see a period of um, absorption of stock uh, that will get rented off the back of return migration. Uh, and that'll do wonders for for the rental returns and hopefully help people uh, get better cash flow down the track. Certainly, we are seeing, you know, what Andrew calls the COVID refugee going into southeast Queensland to call home. And they are coming out of Sydney and Melbourne. Um, again, as I alluded to at the start of the show, not a huge problem because of the aggregate size of uh Sydney and Melbourne they just don't really feel it you know if anything people in Sydney and Melbourne are like please leave give us more space give us our room back and there is a correlating uh outcome of you know losing for example Sydney or New South Wales has lost 18,000 people to Queensland it's great because i live in Sydney all of a sudden my house is closer to the city because there's less people i need to Compete with when it comes to driving around. Like that is how Sydney people think. And we don't really go, oh, whoa, you know, people are de urbanizing out of Sydney. Oh, it's a big problem. You don't notice it. It's just too big. Sydney and Melbourne are like too big to fail. They're just huge rocks, right? But again, the 30,000 people, because Brisbane is a much smaller place you notice it you all of a sudden you walk around brisbane not that i've been there for a while but I was there six months ago and you're like holy cow there's people everywhere um and that's because it's a smaller aggregate size and again when a marketplace of a smaller aggregate takes uh like thirty thousand people from a big marketplace it's uh, it, the loss is not felt for the big marketplace but it It is felt for the ingoing marketplace, if that makes sense. The outgoing marketplace, eh, they don't care. Ingoing marketplace, it feels big. It feels big. And that's because you're taking from a big rock and giving to a little rock. And really that's what is unfolding, which is pretty cool for Brisbane. Um, And probably really reflective on uh, the jobless rate at the moment. You know, this time last year, in uh sort of this period last year we had a high jobless rate and of course the pandemic you know we we weren't really understanding what was happening we were less uh you know we let we we didn't really understand lockdowns we had melbourne in a massive lockdown and uh you know this time last year we had an unemployment rate of you know seven percent seven to eight percent seven and a half percent it was it was quite sizable albeit um inflated because of a lockdown today the unemployment rate is closer to sort of four and a half percent in most cities that's amazing that really is a telltale sign that the economy is doing fairly well obviously there's pain that the economy is going through with certain lockdowns and certain industries being more affected than others but you know overall i think Uh, we are in an interesting place where there's still jobs out there, which, you know, could provide certainly confidence to the real estate marketplace and the share marketplace, that is for sure. Now, certainly I think what is evident, though, is the lack of wage growth. We've talked about this 100 times on this show. There's no wage growth. No one's getting a pay increase. Uh, Inflation is about 1.7%. And uh, asset values have skyrocketed in value. So, you know, the cost of um, money is cheap, uh, but people can't just go and borrow another 100 grand and another 100 grand and another 100 grand to keep up with the rising cost of the best properties. So, that is meaning that uh, is becoming less affordable, uh, the real estate marketplace, which again makes it really important to buy real estate in affordable areas which are very livable because they run out the quickest. And um certainly what you do see is eventually the ripple and new suburbs emerge as as hotspots to buy in and so forth. But what we do know is the reality is uh you know there will be a time where it's just harder to buy the same thing because of wage growth which is uh which is where we're at now the other thing i think is just critical and this is the one thing that i took away from my time being mentored by dr andrew wilson was you're being lied to or you're lying to yourself a lot of people are living in fear that there's going to be some sort of interest rate rise and there just simply isn't and I'll come back and do an episode into the future around what I believe the zombie economy of interest rates and the fact that interest rates can't be put up for a very long time not to say they won't ever go up and you can decrease your position by not overpaying for real estate or buying real estate in a marketplace which is volatile from a debt perspective which i already do and already coach people to do to avoid high debt bomb marketplaces which there are some in australia where if interest rates change those marketplaces would go straight into mortgage stress but for where we are now the average person does not have to worry about interest rate rises. And the reality is the medium-term future, the next couple of years, the next two, three, four, five years, it's very, very unlikely that the Reserve Bank will put up interest rates. The number one lie people are telling themselves is that they need to be worried about interest rate rises. And it is a lie. You're telling yourself a lie. It's not going to happen. We are on the drug. We are on the Kool-Aid. And when uh, countries get to this point where the interest rate is where it's at, it's very hard to lift it because of what that will do to the citizens in the economy. And the only way to lift rates is to get wages going. So if wages were to grow, you could fundamentally lift rates. Inflation doesn't necessarily create a rate increase. What you need is a combination of inflation but also wage increases. Now, I'll go back to 2007. The reason we were borrowing money at 9.5% back then is mining booms. People were getting huge wage increases. You could go and you know, drive a truck in the middle of the desert and get a wage of like $280,000 a year. It was crazy because people were making $280,000 a year in the mining and infrastructure booms. The uh, person sitting, uh, doing a menial job as a, uh, I don't know, a receptionist or something like that, all of a sudden their wages grew because there was a labour shortage around not only skill but labor labor being just jobs job needs some hands on deck uh need some people to help out that cost money and back in 2007 you know we had mining boom one we uh you know went into mining boom two. but it was a it was a big wage growth marketplace and of course that created inflation uh and also the cash rate to go up so high. So we're at the polar opposite now. We've we're not getting a wage grow wage uh, growth occurring in the economy. And we are getting a little bit of inflation, but fairly normal amount. Generally, inflation below sort of two or three percent is considered fairly stable. And uh, the recent report by Andrew shows one more 1.7% uh, inflation. Of course some costs of goods and services are a bit skewed off the back of supply chains with covid but for the most part we do not need to worry about interest rate rises any time soon so we can put that one to bed so this has created the equal playing field which i just love because We've been hostage to interest rates for a very, very long time. People's decision-making, hostages. People scared of interest rates going up or down, hostage. And if anything, um, when an interest rate is like 6 or 7%, you do feel a little bit like a hostage. You don't know if it's going to go down. You don't know what if it's going to go up. It's kind of better being at the polar opposite ends of the spectrum. When it's really high, you know it can't go much further. And when it's really low, you know that really there is only one way and that is up, but you can make a pretty informed decision that it ain't going up anytime soon. So the Reserve Bank is no longer in charge of the economy. Really, the government now is in charge of the economy. And when you don't have a set of interest rates to stimulate the cost of money and and the economy itself really uh there's only a few ways to create activity one is to spend more so governments can go out um create more money spend more money and stimulate that's that's really one way to do it and you know when you listen to the bitcoiners of the world that's their that's their their thing you know governments print money and as such, you know you need to be very, very mindful of what that looks like. I personally don't think we're going to see much more quantitative easing when it comes to buying back of bonds and, and funda- fundamentally money printing in Australia. I think it's going to be wound back. And really government can really do two things when it comes to um, when it comes to what they, what they do to approach how to make things happen. Uh, the first one is probably change, have a look at the tax system into the future. And obviously if companies pay less tax, the theory is that they can then employ more people when companies employ more people, they of course uh, are have shortages of labor and skill, When companies have shortages of labour and skill, they have to pay more for those people. And once those people get pay rises, then, of course, you can start to lift the cash rate itself and grow as the economy would uh, fundamentally be. So the other way, of course, is to increase taxes, to basically uh, go into a mode where the only way to claw back growth is to give the government the productivity by increasing taxes and hope the government spends that productive money well to increase productivity now again i think um you know some of this is a little bit further down the track as to what the world looks like in australia probably post ne- next election um and again i i think this is this is the new world we're going to live in where we're not hostage to interest rates, and really, how government spends and how they tax is going to determine the rate of wage growth into the future. The reality is, uh, economics is in real estate is about is about the economy, about people in that economy and how they link to the property market. And of course, I'm a big believer that the reality is. We, as property investors, need to take a long-term viewpoint when it comes to real estate ownership, buy well, uh, hold real estate in good, solid marketplaces, and just wake up over 15 years from now with wealth. And again, you know, for me, I think talking about economics is great. It makes people feel good. It makes people feel safe. But when you own real estate for a long period of time, you just simply start to not care what is even happening. And this is why sort of old people, I think, walk around happy as Larry. They don't care if the interest rates are going around. They, they, they've they paid off their house. They're, they're happy. They just want a schooner and, uh, you know... bit of fishing right so young people care old people don't care because old people typically have built some assets over their life so just a little footnote there right the reality is the cash rate is going to remain low for a very long time uh the rba is certainly going to stop its weekly bond purchasing eventually it's going to continue to reduce what that looks like Uh, The economy is actually performing strong. It's arguably performing better than when coronavirus was even around and all that spending and activity and the velocity of cash is uh, certainly, you know, making things happen. I think the downturn when it comes to lockdowns is going to be temporary. The reality is we are going to need to learn to live in a vaccinated economy. I can see already the news is, you know, will restaurants allow the unvaccinated or the vaccinated? All that kind of stuff I think we're going to hear about for quite a while. Um, No doubt, you know, someone's going to get sued for something because, you know, they couldn't get into a bar because they weren't vaccinated. I'm sure all that stuff's going to be all over the headlines. I think the bounce back of the lockdowns probably not going to be as sharp and dr andrew wilson noted this we're not going to see a v-shaped recovery like we did last year we're now going into more a moderate level of strong growth when it comes to property what that ultimately means is we're not going to see you know, another year of runaway property values, which is a good thing. No one wants a bubble, but we are going to see the usual level of capital growth be restored to the market, where it will get steadier, more reliable price movement. Uh, we will see the five, six, seven percent capital growth rates moving ahead. And that is great because for many people who bought five years ago, they haven't seen a lot of growth. Now they have. And now we're uh, going into what we call in real estate, a steady, reliable section of the marketplace. Real estate is just going to go up. It's going to beat inflation. It's going to continue to rise but we're not going to get this runaway effect. And for people getting started, that's a cool thing as well because you're going to be entering a marketplace where restrictions will be lifted. You're going to enter a marketplace where uh, there are some strong drivers of demand still remaining, a positive outlook, low cash rate. And uh, I think for the medium term, that does wonders for the property marketplace that is for sure i do think real estate is very much connected today because of the fact that it isn't even playing field and we are not hostage to the cash rate to more local factors and of course i think local factors today is what i'm investing in what makes a good suburb what makes a livable neighborhood these are the factors factors that i'm interested in because interest rates generate interest in real estate but local factors determine the rate of growth of real estate and uh, i'll come back and talk about really what niche growth looks like in the real estate marketplace where we can go out and find those five and six percent capital growth rates now we do kind of comprehend the the big surge in value has happened we are at a new normal And now it's our job as property investors to hold real estate a long time. And if we are in our acquisition mode of buying real estate, look for these highly livable suburbs where we're going to get the new series of growth, which is going to be steady as she goes, good capital growth rates, solid performance. And that means five, six, seven, eight percent capital growth in certain suburbs, which is what we want. Uh, We don't want stagnation, we want movement. Actually, the boom and bust idea of just 20% capital growth rates every year, just uh, let that go because, uh, you know, the more of that that happens, the more the government go, you know what, we got to step in and cool the whole thing and it kind of sucks anyway what is better is uh, steady, reliable growth. And that's where we're returning to when it comes to property investment. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show, a bit of a recap of my time with Dr. Andrew Wilson. I will catch you soon on the next episode as we talk real estate once again. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.